Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Great to be here this morning. Isn't the weather great? Long may it last. That was the non-gardeners among us. Well, it's so good to be with you and so good to have the opportunity to share in this series. And did you know that the average lifespan of somebody living in the UK in 2022 is 82 years of age? So if anybody who's 83 sitting next to you, just keep an eye on them, please, will you, <laughs> during the service, which apparently is up 0.15% from 2021. However, In 1950, the average lifespan for somebody in the UK was 69 years, which means on average, we're living 13 more years than we used to, which is quite good. You get a bit more out of your pension, doesn't, don't you really? Which is very helpful. But you know, actually making the most of life can't just be about how long we live. Because there are some people live a long life, but they don't really feel they've lived a full life. And I want to address that question that we're looking at, making the most of it, by talking today about how we make room for God in our lives. You know, as followers of Jesus, we're only too aware, hopefully, that God is resident. He is part of our life. He's living within us by His Spirit. He's in our world. He's in the environment in which we're living. But you know, making room for God in our lives is about a growing relationship with Him. It's about stretching and enlarging all aspects of our world and our lives so that there's more room for God within who we are. And I want to start by taking you on a little bit of a journey to a place that was very close to Jesus' heart. Because on three occasions that I can find in the Gospels, Jesus goes to visit the home of some friends. They're a family that we know as Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. And these three occasions that Jesus visits their home, I think is really, really important. It teaches us something very significant about what it means to make room for God in our lives. And on the first occasion, I want to take you there. There's a really big lesson that I think we learn, and that's all about avoiding distractions. Now, Adam spoke a little bit last week, didn't he, about distractions. So I've not got a huge amount to say about this, but what I want to do is show you the scene that is there in Luke's Gospel in chapter 10 when Jesus visits his home of his friends. And we read this in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, that as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset about all these details There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Now you get a picture, don't you, of two sisters who are very different, different personalities. Martha, on one hand, was preparing a meal for Jesus that he didn't order. 
It seems it wasn't something Jesus was asking for. What I love about Martha's cooking is that the Bible says she was preparing a big dinner. So I think I was the next guest to arrive, to be quite honest with you. But, but Mary is being Mary. She's not necessarily distracted by good things. She is overwhelmed by something even greater than that. She wants to be with Jesus. Hey, Jesus has just walked into their home. He's sitting in their lounge and this is an opportunity not to be missed. Martha's busyness is a distraction. It's not necessarily bad. What she's doing is not just a polite thing. It was customary for them to do something like this. Jesus is, after all, considered to be a rabbi. You would never allow a rabbi to come into your house and not prepare a meal and not welcome him in the customary kind of way. But you see, for Mary, she sees something deeper than that. It's an opportunity to make room in her life for more of Jesus. There are sometimes we're in danger of missing the moment where something special is about to happen because we're distracted by good things, important things, but there are just some moments that we could find in the presence of Jesus where making room can make a difference. Because the question has to be, doesn't it, is anything more important than a thriving friendship with Jesus? Is anything more important than a thriving friendship with Jesus? And I wonder whether some of us have allowed good things, important things, to distract us on occasions from the most crucial thing, and that is allowing room for our relationship with God to grow every day. But there is another occasion that Jesus visits their house. And on that occasion, I'd suggest to you that it teaches us really about recognising disappointments. We read about this in John chapter 11, and it's a, a really powerful and important story. And I want to I pick up the reading in verse 17 of this story where we read this, that Jesus arrived at Bethany. He was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. News had come to Jesus. His friend Lazarus was ill, but he chose to stay away and not immediately respond to the cry for help. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. That's really interesting for me because Lazarus has been ill. Jesus doesn't arrive until four days after Lazarus has died. Now, I'm not speaking on that passage, so just to help you, just in case you're wondering why Jesus did that, if you read John 11, you realise this. There are some moments Jesus allows things to happen because he needs to do something greater. He needs to teach something greater, even through the disappointment of what we initially experience that we at first don't quite understand. And here we find that Martha, when Jesus arrives, the Bible tells us in verse 20, if we look at what it says there, it says that Martha got word that Jesus was coming. She went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha, the one who'd been distracted by busyness, her instinct is to go and meet Jesus. And she goes to him and she addresses him and she's quite honest with him about what she's feeling and what she's experiencing, the disappointment that she's experiencing. We read in verse 21 this, that it says there that Martha said to Jesus, 
Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She expresses her disappointment, but she has a sense in her heart that Jesus is here now. And if she can make room for him in her disappointment, her confusion and her sadness, he can still do something. So there's this faith in the middle of her disappointment. But there is a contrast with Mary's experience. Because whereas Jesus, Martha goes to meet Jesus, Mary stays in the house. I wonder if you and I have done that. I wonder if sometimes in our disappointment, we've not taken a step forward, we've taken a step back. I have. I've had moments as much as I love God and I have followed him for pretty much all of my life that the weight of the disappointment, the sadness, the grief have caused me sometimes it feels inadvertently to take a step back. I wonder if some of you watching online, if I can say, you know, when the pandemic hit us, well, just before that hit us, you were part of this church or another church and you were, you were living a life of faith, but there's maybe so much happened that you've taken a step back. Can I be honest with those of you in the room here, in Hagley, in Rowley or in Cleebury Mortimer, that being in the room doesn't mean we haven't taken a step back inside. And sometimes that's so understandable with the disappointment that we've felt. And we find when we read on into verse 28, just look at this with me, that it tells us that Martha comes and she returns to Mary and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He's not sulking. He's not thinking to himself, where's Mary now? You know, last time I came, I had to say to Martha, don't worry about the potatoes. Come and have a seat at my feet. I didn't have to say that to Mary. Last time I came, Mary's just there and she's drooling over every word I'm saying. But hey, one problem for Mary, she can't come out to meet me. No, Jesus isn't doing that. He asks for her. I believe with all my heart today that the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to some of us here, some of us watching online, that though you've taken a step back, Jesus is saying, hey, come to me now. Walk in my direction. Make room for me in your disappointment, in your sadness, in the sorrow that you're feeling. And even if we have shut God out in our disappointment, he's always keen to meet with us. And we know that God, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and it becomes a big lesson. But there was something powerful, I'm sure, for Mary and Martha in these moments that they had not always understood. But let me quickly show you the third time Jesus visits because this is really, really wonderful because he's in the next chapter of John chapter 12 where we find these words at the beginning of the chapter that remind us about prioritising devotion. If we're going to make room for God, we have to prioritise devotion. Look at what we read in John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany. He's back at his friend's house, the home of Lazarus. Just to help us here, John's saying, this is the man he had raised from the dead. It's not incidental because it doesn't happen every day. Do you know what I mean? And we go on and read this. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honour. I bet it was. I mean, he raised Lazarus from the dead. 
Martha served, there she is again. She's preparing dinner and Lazarus is among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with the hair and the house was filled with the fragrance. You know, devotion comes in many forms. When you read these, you realise that for Martha, devotion was, I want to serve. I want to feed you. I want to look after you, Jesus. I want you to know you're welcome in our world here by doing what is natural to me. And I, I think when you read this, you, you understand that we can't always look down on Martha because of what we read earlier. You know, this is the way she expresses devotion. For Lazarus, devotion is, I just want to be part of this. I'm going to sit and eat with you, Jesus. I'm going to take time with you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to enjoy the moment with you. That's devotion. But for Mary, our devotion is just the emotion that floods out of her. You see these different personalities in each of these siblings. And for Mary, devotion is saying, I need to be at your feet again. But this time, I just want to take what's so precious to me, what's so expensive, and anoint your feet with it. You know, that's what true devotion is when we're making room for God in all of our life, in our celebrations and our disappointments. That's when devotion really hits the road, when we can actually push to one side those disappointments and those celebrations and let God know his welcome in our home. And the beautiful picture about Bethany for Jesus is that he could be in his, in his, in his own space there with them. He could be at ease himself, but here's a family who made room for Jesus. When I was growing up, um, I grew up, was born into a Christian family and, and in an Elim church. And uh, not that that was particularly important, but I just thought I'd mention that. But growing up, and um, we used to have one of these really bad fake Christian plaques on the wall of our hallway. You know, the things that look like brass, but they're actually plastic with a wood surround that looks like wood, but it's actually plastic. But on it, it simply said this. And it, I always remember it said, Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. I find it quite frightening sometimes. <laughs> You hear everything? Whoops. I'm grateful that there was a value in the home that I grew up in that said he's here. It's not just on Sunday when they used to dress me up for Sunday, you know. You know when you're little kids growing up in church then? I used to have a little suit. I had a shirt and an elastic tie. Do you remember those? When your mate in Sunday school you used to just pull it and let it go. But that wasn't the only moment when devotion happened. That wasn't just when we made room for Jesus. It was, it was in our home. We didn't grow up in a perfect home, no more than the home that Andrew and I have built over the years is perfect. But all we can ever really try to do, if we're going to make the most of our life and the life of the children and the grandchildren and the nephews and the nieces who share our world, is to make room for God, just as Mary, Martha and Lazarus did. Because we want to make the most of life and being a disciple of Jesus, there is no way that life works unless he's at the centre of it. If I'm going to make the most of this walk of faith, then he needs to be right at the heart of it. So let me just take some moments to maybe give three bits of practical advice that might help you in trying to journey to make more room for God in your life, maybe even in your home. And they I'm just using some very common phrases we all know so well, but I think they'll help us. The first is this, 
Let's learn to put first things first. We all get the choice to what takes priority in our lives. I get the choice to determine the priorities in my lives. Not that I've got more than one life, I just realised that. (laughs) Preacher slip. We get one life, we get one opportunity, but we do get the choices. I think sometimes lots of us want to blame everybody else and excuse everybody else for the lack of priority that God shapes in our life. But I want to say to you today, we all get the choice. It doesn't matter how big our bank balance is, our circumstances, we determine our priorities. We all get the same amount of time, 168 hours in the week. We all get the same amount of time, but we all have a very different set of priorities. We define what's important to us by the time we dedicate to it and the way we use our finances and our energy. And I have that set of priorities just as you do. And when Jesus is speaking on what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, we get it in Matthew chapter 6. There's this beautiful passage towards the end where he's saying, you know, the birds don't have to worry about food. I've provided for them and They don't have to worry about this and that and the other and clothes and all of that. But he gives us this principle which is eternal. So that means it still stands. In Matthew 6 verse 33, he says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. There's a danger that we make room for things that will never satisfy in our world and our life. And we have to determine to make room for what matters most because when we shut out God, I think we gain far less than we ever imagine. I've been in pastoral leadership for 35 years and I know enough to know, I've had enough conversations with people who've taken steps back and then wondered at a point in their life, why did I do that? Francis Chan, the Christian preacher and author from North America has said this, that following Christ isn't something that can be done half-heartedly or on the side. It's not a label we can display when it's useful. It must be central to everything we do and are. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, putting first things first. It's not rocket science, but it's life-changing. It's not new, it's ancient, but it is transforming for us. The second bit of advice I want to give to you is to keep the main thing The main thing. You know, isn't it so easy to get caught up on trivial pursuits? I'm not thinking so much of the board game, which I do enjoy, but getting caught up on things that really don't matter, incidental things. One of my Bible college lecturers, going back over 30 years ago, um, he, he was one of these kind of really quiet guys, but it felt like everything he said, everything that dropped out of his mouth was just a pearl of wisdom. He once said to us as students, Don't major on minors. And you know, so often we get caught up with things that when we're able to take a step back and think about it, that are far less important than we imagine. And the Apostle Paul gives some advice to to his protege, Timothy. If you've ever read the books of Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, he suggests this to him, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. I think he's saying to Timothy, there's a lot of nonsense you can get yourself caught up in. You know, I, I love the fact that we can use social media to engage with one another and I'm able to keep in touch with people I haven't seen for years and 
see friends, celebrations and all kinds of things. I kind of like YouTube and I can watch all kinds of clips when I want to do a bit of DIY. I can watch the clip. I've actually learned that watching the clip doesn't mean you do the job well, by the way. Did you know that? It just means I'm good at watching the clips. But I want to say to you, for us as Christians, and I want to kind of be sensitive and say it properly, there's a load of rubbish out there. Be really careful what rubbish you really get caught up in. Keep the main thing the main thing. She's following after Jesus. Keep your heart right before God. Be a man or a woman who knows what it is to get a hold of your Bible and ask God for some wisdom. And don't get caught up with some of the nonsense that parades around because it will clutter our lives. And, you know, in our pre-service, Jane was just talking about clutter. And, you know, we, we think of all those kind of things, don't we? How easily we gather clutter that's unimportant. And sometimes our lives can be cluttered by trivial pursuits and unimportant attitudes. Some of us need to declutter some of those attitudes and some of those things and make more room for God in our lives. I didn't know whether today I'd use a visual illustration, didn't get kind of round to it, but I remember as a teenager, my um, pastor's wife came to talk to us in our youth group on one occasion. And she set up a table and she, she had a very large vase and some water and she'd pretty much filled the vase with kidney beans. I remember, because I didn't used to like kidney beans, but I've got to tell you, in a chili con carne, they're great. But she filled this vase with kidney beans, and then she filled it with water to the brim. So it kind of had that little wobble on the brim that you get. And she was talking to us, actually, about making room for God, from what I can remember. And she took a serving spoon, and she just lifted a spoon of kidney beans out and put it on the tray, and the water level dropped, and she topped up the water level. And then she did the same. And she was teaching us that sometimes we have to remove some stuff from our hearts and lives to make room for the good things that God has for us, for the, the water of the Spirit. In fact, in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 2, using the message version, the Apostle Paul says this, Pursue the things over which Christ resides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. And be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See, making room for God is not just about time. It's about making room for God in our thoughts and our emotions. It's about saying, God, I need you to come and to move to one side. Some of the things that have crowded into my life and I've not kept the main thing, the main thing. Because I really believe when we make room for God, we start to get a better perspective. Like the Apostle Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, a really favourite verse of mine. So we don't look at troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we, will see, we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. He's talking about getting a perspective of eternal things of where God is, what Christ is doing in our hearts and lives. And I don't want to belittle or demean in any way the challenges and the struggles you might be experiencing because there is room for Christ in our hearts amid all the challenges and all the struggles. In fact, we need him. We need to make room for him in that way. I've realised, and particularly as I've prepared for this morning, there's many things in my life I can live without that this society and culture tells me I can't. Many things that I fill with my home and my world with that actually I could, I could live without. But I've also learned there are some things I cannot live without. 
And the one thing I cannot live without is my daily relationship with God as my saviour, as my father, as my healer and as my friend. I've realised if I don't have that, I have nothing. Nothing of value. A bit like we find that Job realises when he says, you know, I came into the world naked and I go out naked. Can't take anything with me. But the Apostle Paul talks about storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Making room for God today essentially equips our life not just for the now, because it does, but for what is ahead of us, the things we cannot see. Final bit of advice. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Don't you love that word, procrastination? It's great if you're playing Scrabble, isn't it? But that's effectively what is meant by that, how we easily put off till tomorrow what can be done today. I came across a, a funny little quote online. It's, a, it's anonymous, but it simply said, I'm not a procrastinator. I'm just excre- extremely productive at unimportant things. And so often we're not making the most of our lives because we delay the things that we should do. You know, over the years, and um, one of the great joys of leading church, as I did until six years ago and took this role on with Elim, was when people who were in their retirement years came to faith. We, we saw that on a number of occasions. It was so wonderful. But, you know, one of the regular things when we were probably preparing folks for baptism, I would hear was people saying, why didn't I do this 50 years ago? You may be watching online. You may be in the room today. You may be in one of our locations and you may never have ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Please don't delay from today what's going to change your life for tomorrow. When Paul writes to the Ephesians, excuse me, the Corinthians again in 2 Corinthians 6 again in the message, he says this, companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvellous life God has given us. God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Let's not squander this. Let's make room for God in our life. Let's let's not be people who are wondering why we didn't do this sooner. Like this quote again, I came across an anonymous quote that someone suggested that a year from now, you might wish you had started today. Maybe for some of us, there's a decision we need to make about how I'm just going to yeah, eke out a little bit more time. But maybe I've allowed other things to crowd in. Maybe I've allowed myself to separate from what God has for me. Because making room for God, as we've said, is about all of our world, every part of us. It's about living daily with a recognition of Him. Because God has more for us than most of us will ever access in a lifetime. In fact, I'm of the opinion... If you are, and it might be that you're in this room, if you are the most Christian, godly, amazing person the planet has ever known, aside from Jesus, and I'm hoping you're in our church, not somebody else's, but if you're here, you will never access all that God could give to you. His riches are beyond measure. His blessings beyond counting. But actually, most of us live to far less than God can actually do in our lives. And that's... The wisdom I think John the Baptist found when he said this in John chapter 3 and verse 30. He must become greater and I must become less. In fact, in the message, I love how the message says it. He kind of says something like this. It's my time to step backstage 
and let him step front stage. And I think that's what John was doing as he transitioned from being the person who announced that Jesus was coming to Jesus being there. But I think that the big picture, what's being said there is, God's got more for you folks. He wants you to make the most of this life. If you've never yet surrendered your life to Jesus, today could be the day. Today could be your day of salvation. If you're watching online, we could help you. You could just get in touch. The details are all there. But if you're here in the room or you're in watching one of our locations and you've never surrendered to Jesus, you can do that. You can simply, in, right in the depths of your life, say, Jesus, I step aside and ask you to become the Lord of my life. And you can do that today. But maybe some of us, we've become distracted or we've allowed our disappointments to crowd in, to clutter our hearts and lives. And there's just not enough room. In a moment, we're going to take communion. What a moment to share together. And you've been given these great little capsules here that help us. And we're going to do that together. You know, the God of heaven made room for us in his world. Jesus, his son, stepped out of eternity into our world, our imperfect and broken world. And he came with this opportunity and this offer to us of a life that we could never find anywhere else. But it would cost. And it cost him everything. And what we do when we take communion, and you'll find if you're a little nimble-fingered, and I'm not so nimble-fingered, but I figured it out, there's a couple of tabs here and if you just want to remove the top tab with me for a moment look at that it's just a wafer it's a symbol to us but you know what it's a symbol of that Jesus gave us everything he went to a Roman cross he stretched out his arms wide and he said I love you I'm giving you everything there's room in me for you why don't you take this and as we do, we're going to say thank you. Just under your breath or out loud, say thank you God for Jesus. Why don't you take that for a moment together? Thank you God for Jesus. And then we get to pull back that other little part of the capsule that leads us to the juice it's just juice but it's reminding us of the sacrificial blood of Jesus I hope that doesn't sound too gross for you but very simply it reminds us that all the animal sacrifices were never going to be good enough heaven required a perfect sacrifice and it became Jesus and as you drink that today you're re reminded the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins but because of the blood of Jesus we can be forgiven today folks why don't you drink in gratitude just in a moment Vicky and the team are going to come and lead us in a song and um, but we're going to pray and we're going to say Father thank you that you made such room for us in your family, in your heart. We want to be men and women who know what it is 
to make room for you. You understand our world. You understand our lives and the challenges we face. And we pray today in this moment as we've taken these communion emblems that remind us of your sacrifice for us that we know what it is to live a life that squeezes where we can room to say, God, come and be a bigger part in my world. We pray for those who may be watching online or those who are in one of our locations here and they've never yet surrendered to Jesus. Father, would you now, by your Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts. They would open up their hearts. Say, come and live in me, Lord Jesus. Be the Saviour of my life, the King, the Lord of my life. Father, for each of us here, we, we want to know what it is to, to make the most of this life, not just our life of faith, but that you fill everything that we are, that you're interested in every part of our world. And God, for all of us, that we would today determine we're going to make room in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our world, in our time, in our energies, in our serving, in our giving. We want you to be part of all of that so that every part of us is realising the potential stored in us through the presence of the Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.